1: Good evening, everyone. We have a big hour ahead, including the latest on the mess in Arizona, with new warnings from election observers and Tucker Carlson's absurd new comments about COVID vaccines that show that he doesn't know much about science or history. We'll begin the readout tonight with America's existential crisis. Later this month, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will bring the For the People Act, the Democrats' signature anti-corruption and voting rights reform bill, to the floor for a vote. It can't come soon enough as Republican-led legislatures across the country have introduced nearly 400 bills that limit voting access, an anti-voting wave that this country has not seen since the end of Reconstruction. In his new cover piece for Mother Jones, Ari Berman writes that much of what we are witnessing is a concerted attempt to end the second Reconstruction, which began after the passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Much like the post-Reconstruction era, today's Republican Party— The party of white grievance is rewriting the rules of American democracy to protect conservative white political power from the rising influence of new demographic groups. And unless something is done now, the damage could be irreparable. On Tuesday, President Biden, recognizing the moment and signaling a new phase in the pressure campaign, called out two obstinate members of his own party.
0: This sacred right is under assault with incredible intensity like I've never seen, with an intensity and aggressiveness that we've not seen in a long, long time. It's simply un-American. I hear all the folks on TV saying, why doesn't Biden get this done? Well, because Biden only has a majority of effectively four votes in the House and a tie in the Senate with two members of the Senate who vote more with my Republican friends.
1: In the face of this four alarm fire, one of those unnamed senators, Arizona's Kirsten Cinema, doubled down on her support for the filibuster. Cinema, calling herself a happy warrior for bipartisanship and speaking like someone who frankly has the luxury of not being personally impacted by these oppressive laws, repeated her refusal to budge on the filibuster.
2: To those who say we
3: must make a choice between the filibuster and X, I say this is a false choice. The reality is, is that when you have a system that's not working effectively, and I would think that most would agree that the Senate's not a particularly well-oiled machine, right? The way to fix that is to change your behavior, not to eliminate the rules or change the rules, but to change your behavior.
1: The other unnamed senator, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, continues to be a fellow Ahab, forever hunting the mythical creature called bipartisanship. He told reporters to... Keep the faith in this damn Senate and we'll make it, we'll make it work out, make it bipartisan. Keep the faith in what? Just last Friday, 35 Senate Republicans came together to kill a bipartisan bill supported by the majority of the American public to create a commission to investigate the most violent attack on our democracy in modern American history. In simpler terms, there will never be 10 Senate Republicans willing to overcome a filibuster because of what their leader told us. 100%
4: 100% of my focus is on standing up to this administration. What we have in the United States Senate is total unity from Susan Collins to Ted Cruz in opposition to what the new Biden administration is trying to do to this country.
1: Okay, do you hear that? 100%. And that leaves us, frankly, confused as to why Manchin and Cinema care more about the will of the Republican Party than about the will of the American people. Joining me now is Al Franken, former senator from the state of Minnesota and host of the Al Franken podcast. And Christina Greer, associate professor of political science at Fordham University. And, you know, Senator Franken, I have to go to you first because, you know, I don't I've never worked with these people. I don't know these people. But I do. I frankly do not. I can't think of an explanation for what Manchin and Cinema are doing unless it is that they actually prefer that Republicans control the process and maybe that Republicans control the Senate. Or that they themselves don't even maybe plan to run for re-election and are looking to their next thing, which they think is going to take place in a right-wing Republican-controlled world. They're just preparing themselves basically to be the smoking man on the X Files and let the other guys win. I don't know another explanation, do you?
4: I want to read their minds, but this is different. This is an existential threat. This is a threat to our democracy. Uh, what the Republicans passed nationwide, but just look at look at Arizona, where not not only are they suppressing votes, which is something they traditionally do to try to get people they don't want to vote to vote. What they're actually doing is trying to give the authority to Republican officials to overturn elections. In Arizona, they've given the authority to determine who won the election. They've changed it from the Secretary of State to the Attorney General. In this legislation, and that expires in January of twenty three, because they don't know who's going to win <laughs> the attorney general and who's going to win the secretary of state. This is this is different. This is not whether you know to to cover uh, orthodontry in the ACA. This is democracy, and I would make the case to Joe Manchin. And especially on this bill because I hear cinema is for it, but also on on the filibuster, obviously that we either need to get. Joe has said he won't get rid of it. Cinema said she won't get rid of it. Norm Ornstein and I have been working on a modification that I think would work in stopping this. And I'll I'll let the professor weigh in here, so I don't, you know. Uh, talk too much.
1: No, we want you to talk. We want you to talk. I mean, the thing is, Christina Greer, Kristen Cinema knows everything that Al Franken just said. Mm-hmm. She understands what's happening in her own state. Right. I can only conclude that she supports what they're doing and wants to proceed because she keeps she says she's on the bill. She's a co-sponsor. That's real convenient to let her show up at black churches on MLK Day so she can cover Mm -hmm. herself that way. But I cannot conclude other than that what she sees happening that Republicans are doing, she's for it because she's not for changing it. She's not for stopping it. I don't know what else to conclude.
2: Well two words Joy, primaries matter because just as you said, you know, she will be more than happy to show up in particular communities uh when uh the primary season comes around to talk about certain legislation that she, you know, mealy-mouthed, supported, but on really important questions of our democracy, as Senator Franken has pointed out, she's just been um, an adversary to the Democratic Party. And we know that there is great ideological diversity within the Democratic Party. We talk about this with Black politics all the time. We are the welcoming tent. There are several shades of blue we understand that, but we cannot have senators, Democratic senators, who are actively working against the American people. And that is what we're seeing with Senator Manchin when they refuse to uh, support their colleagues, their Democratic colleagues, when it comes to uh, really assessing what the filibuster has done and how it prevents, especially with Mitch McConnell and his caucus, uh, how it prevents the American public from moving forward in a real substantive way. The fact that they're voting against the January 6th commission should be proof enough alone to let us know that these individuals are not interested uh, in the health and wealth and continuation of this American democracy.
1: Yeah, and Senator Franken. Look, they're, they, apparently the new strategy. You know, you have uh, Vice President Harris uh, is going to be leading the administration efforts. They're putting her uh, on the field. You've got the NAACP preparing to go and you know meet with Mansion. They're basically throwing the the, the full African American coalition at Mansion because right now it's it's Senator Cory Booker. It's that's 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 out there. It's Reverend Warnock um, out there meeting with them. They're throwing. I, I don't see how that moves him. His He doesn't need African-American votes to win. It's a 7% black state. Does that work? I don't see how that works, but you tell me if you think differently.
4: Let, let me describe what Norm and I have been working on for 12 years now, and we've modified the modification. This is what it would be. Right now, if you look at that vote on the January 6th commission, they only got 35 to stop it, but they didn't need 35. They, needed, they didn't need any. They need one, I guess. Yeah. They need someone to show up, but we needed 60. This modification is they have to show up and there have to be 41 votes. They have to to, to, to keep a filibuster going, but not just that. They have to stay there and it has to be a talking filibuster. And they have to stay there and they can stay there a day. They can stay there two days. There's 41. Of, there's 50 of them. 41 have to be there at some point all day, all night. Uh, by my math, each of them would get five hours off. You do that for two or three days. Chuck Grassley gets a little tired of that. <laughs> Mitch McConnell gets a little tired of that. Plus, the American people get to hear them debate and they get to hear the Republicans take the pro side on why it should be a crime to give someone a glass of water or give them water in a line. I want to see that debate. I want to have the American people see that debate. And I want to make Jim Inhofe, And and Mitch McConnell (laughs) stay there. I went. Believe me, I've been in this body. They don't want to stay there, and they're not going to. And this, you know, before syllabusters were people like Strom Thurmond were for the exact opposite reason. They're wrong, bad reasons. This is about our democracy, and if we lose this one, if if. We allow this to overturn elections, elected officials, elected Republican officials to overturn an election. Our, our democracy goes away. It wouldn't be Hitler. It wouldn't have been Tojo. Wouldn't have been the Confederacy. It'd be Mitch McConnell yeah. who ended our democracy.
1: Well, and Mitch and Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. Sorry, I, I can't not fault them. And Christina, I think this is a great idea. You know, I've even wondered, you know, the original sort of in a wormhole, a filibuster. It started out, you know, that you needed two thirds eventually when they finally created cloture. Uh, it's now down to 60. There's no reason it couldn't be 55. Democrats could literally do the math and say, how many votes could we get for a commission on January 6th insurrection? How many did we get? We got 55. That's going to be the number from now on, because none of these people, cinema, man, they cannot deliver 10 votes. But maybe sometimes they could get five or six or doing what Senator Franken just said. Just change it so that I cannot believe that these people didn't have to stand up there and explain to those cops and their families, to Officer Sicknick's family on television why they were voting against the bill. At least make them do that. Is that something that you think could actually be a change that at least, I don't know, it can happen and and would help.
2: Right. And I think what we'll see is we'll circumvent the rules and we'll have some sort of makeshift task force where we have a conversation about it. But it's not going to be the official vote, which is what it needed and it needs to be. I also want our you know, Democratic senators to be a little more firm with their colleagues. I mean, I respectfully disagree with Senator Franklin. I think that Mitch McConnell will stay there for five days, 10 days if it means taking away Democratic freedoms from the American people. I don't think he will tire of that. I think he has shown himself he wants to make sure that Joe Biden is not not successful. He wants to make sure that the Democratic Party does not have any wins. And I don't think that he keeps the larger vision of what uh, American democracy should look like. So he is unmoved and unbothered by the circumstance that we find ourselves in. And so I want our Democratic senators to stop pretending that the Republican colleagues will ever think about American democracy the way they do. Um, Republicans have made it very clear they are not willing to work together. They're coming to this knife fight with every single thing in their arsenal. And Democrats are still sort of just like, well, shucks, maybe if we just smile a little more, they'll like us. It is very clear that that's not happening. And so I think the strategies need to be a little more firm and they need to be a little more direct with their
1: Republican colleagues moving forward. I, we are out of time. I'm being told we're out of time. But I just very, very quickly. Uh, Al Franken, do, do you agree? Would Mitch McConnell stay there for 10 days, 100 days? No, to he stop? wouldn't.
4: I know Mitch McConnell. He would. But here's the other thing. When you said it used to be two thirds, that was two thirds present and voting. Right. Now it's 60. And there's a difference because president voting means
1: they have
4: to be there and they're not yeah. going to be there.
1: They, they, they could do it from home. Think about that, y'all. They can filibuster from home. Uh, this is a great debate. You guys, please continue it on Twitter. Al Franken, Christina Greer, you guys are great. Up next on The Readout, she's one of America's top defenders of democracy. Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs has called out Republicans for their fake election audit in her state, and she just announced that she is running for governor. Katie Hobbs joins me next. Plus, tonight's absolute worst.
5: Medical Jim Crow has come to America. If we still had water fountains, the unvaccinated would have separate ones.
1: Nope, tuckums, nope, nope, that's not Jim Crow. I have a lesson for you tonight, dear, on what Jim Crow actually was and is, and why your whiny, privileged, Swanson TV dinner trust fund behind will never, could never, be a victim of Jim Crow discrimination. The readout continues. Look at that confused face after this. Along with the Republican fight to rewrite our election laws, there is perhaps no greater tangible example of our slippery democracy than the partisan grift occurring right now in the state of Arizona, where a firm called the Cyber Ninjas is tampering with ballots in Maricopa County, where Joe Biden won the presidency by more than 45,000 votes. Hundreds of volunteers continue to paw ballots in search of bamboo fibers, cheese dust, and non-existent fraud rightfully alarming Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who published a summary of troubling incidents noted by election experts on the ground. Those experts have witnessed security gates left open and unattended, pens near the ballots, which is prohibited to ensure that they can't be used to alter those ballots. A Senate liaison also confirmed that voting system data was sent to a lab in Montana, but did not specify what this lab would do or what this lab even was. This has terrifyingly anti-democratic as it sounds, isn't even the worst of it. Today, a delegation of Republican state senators from Pennsylvania toured the fraud and received a briefing from the air quotes forensic team. One of the senators on that tour just so happened to spend thousands of dollars to bus protesters, if you want to call them that, to the Capitol on January 6th. Joining me now is Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who announced today that she's running for governor. And I'm going to get to that very shortly Because what's happening in Arizona is probably the scariest of all of the states right now, because it's sort of functionally what I think a lot of us fear will start happening in every state where Republicans are in control. How out of control is this process? And is there a way to get it to stop?
6: We really hope there is a way to get it to stop. And we've been working on different avenues to do that since it began. But we've also been saying since the beginning that they are writing the playbook here to take this to other states. And everyone watching should be extremely concerned about this. It is an attempt to continue to undermine election integrity and lay the groundwork to steal future elections.
1: And it's also costing taxpayers in Maricopa County money. I mean, you have said that Now, the voting machines that have been tampered with by the cyber ninjas are no longer good. There's going to have to be a complete repurchase. This is going to cost millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Let me look. Let's just talk about Arizona for a second. This is the thing called OHPI, and it's a power ranking among Arizona figures. Um, It says that that you um, are number one among registered Arizona voters, number three among Democrats, number one among independents. You're a very popular politician. Does that politician, does that, Sort of popularity overall across the board, you know, maybe not among Republicans, give you kind of a public forum to be able to speak against this. Like what has been the result of you trying to talk this down?
6: Well, I cer- certainly think it speaks to where Arizonans are on this particular uh, so-called audit that we're seeing right now, that they're tired of the partisan politics, and that's what this is, and that I've had the chance to show leadership and stand up for the integrity of our elections, and and, and that's what we're seeing right now that Arizonans want. They want leaders who are going to stand up on the side of what's true and right? If you let's say you're you're now running for uh
1: for, for, for a statewide office, you're running for governor. If you win, do you just assume that the Republican state legislature will just erase your victory from the books and say, nope, you didn't win and refuse to seat you? Do you do you fear that?
6: Well, they certainly have proposed laws that would allow them to overturn the will of the voters. Fortunately, this year, those laws didn't get get passed. Uh. But but I could see them continuing to propose these kinds of laws in the future. Uh, I think anything that was passed in the next legislative session would go into effect too late to impact the 2022 election. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not the last election we're going to have.
1: So, okay, so in theory, they couldn't do it if they wanted to do that to you. They couldn't do it right away. Okay, that's number one. Have you had a conversation with your senators about this, about what's happening in the state?
6: Yes, yes.
1: And what do they say? Because what do they uh, say about it?
6: You're talking our U.S. senators, our U.S. senators, your U.S. senators. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I've talked to Senator Kelly. He is extremely concerned about what's going on. And um, and and we, we talked at length about it just yesterday. And what about Senator Sinema? Uh, I have not had a conversation with Senator Cinema. If, if Mark Kelly
1: has been very quiet, he was very popular when he ran. He's an astronaut. He's an impressive guy. He hasn't really spoken publicly about what's happening in Arizona. Do you? Do you can you understand why? I mean, this is alarming, and he hasn't really said anything. And Cinema has said nothing. All she said is, "I love the filibuster." That's it.
6: Well, look, I, I've been, I've been working to share my concerns with our senators. And I know that their constituents have been reaching out to them, too. I'm not going to tell them how to do their jobs, but I will continue to do my job and stand up for the integrity of our elections and protect the voters of Arizona. As
1: you're running for governor, do you expect to get uh, support from some Republicans who are sick of this? Are there Republicans who are coming up to you on the campaign trail and saying, yeah, I'm done with this as well?
6: I certainly have already talked to Republicans who are supporting my run for governor and um, have in the supported me to get elected for secretary of state. Uh, and I'm, I'm working to continue to earn support of Arizona voters uh, across the political spectrum.
1: And when you're running, I guess going back to what you're what you've had to tell Maricopa County, are you concerned that the physical infrastructure that would be required for even your election and for all of the elections in 2022 is so broken that it won't be possible to have a clear result or a free and fair election in Arizona in 2022 or 2024?
6: Well, this is why we reached out to Maricopa County now and told them that we would need to know what their plan is for the election equipment, so that because we're already well into preparations for the 2022 election, this this so called audit is completely disruptive to those preparations, and um, you know we're already working towards that. So, uh, so we. Uh, the reason for reaching out to Maricopa County now about the equipment is so that we can make sure that there is a a backup plan in place and that we are ready for the 2022 election. To not be ready is not an option.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In that state especially, God bless you and good luck because your state is really, you know, in a very, is really frightening the rest of the country because it it looks like a potential future for the rest of us that we do not want. Good luck on your race, Katie Hobbs. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Okay, so here's a crazy suggestion for a certain Fox News host. Next time you're thinking about comparing vaccine passports to Jim Crow laws, don't. Just don't. Tonight's absolute worst, straight ahead. Have you noticed this new Republican strategy to try to drown the outrage over their flurry of Jim Crow voting laws with pure confusion? Here's our old friend Tuckums going after vaccine passports with the GOP's favorite new analogy
5: that unless you can prove you have taken the injection that the Democratic Party demands you take, you are no longer permitted in bars, comedy clubs, even some dance competitions in the state of New York. You're too dirty to appear in public. You're not welcome near normal people. Medical Jim Crow has come to America. If we still had water fountains, the unvaccinated would have separate ones.
1: Nurse, can you please get in here? We appear to have another severe case of VSE, victim status, envy stat these people have decided that being the victim of historic discrimination and cruelty is somehow something to be desired, and they want a piece of the action. In the current outbreak of VSE, Republicans apparently want so badly to blur the lines on what we can all see them doing. They are now trying to claim that no, 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 their anti-voting laws are not Jim Crow style voter suppression. The real Jim Crow is anything that disproportionately affects them. See? Fix the historical analogy problem. Because if everything is Jim Crow, then nothing is Jim Crow. See how the magic works? Another symptom of this VSE epidemic is people screaming that Jim Crow was created by Democrats. Like that's some kind of aha, drop the mic argument. Um, You know, saying Democrats created Jim Crow the first time it was used is not an argument that you are not using Jim Crow now. By that analogy, since black people created rock and roll, you can't call Elvis a rock and roll artist, because only what black people did in that musical style is rock and roll. No Beatles, no Rolling Stones, none of that can be called rock and roll, because that's a thing only black people did. See how horribly that would work out? And here we go again, having to explain to Republicans that at the time the Democrats were doing Jim Crow, they were the conservative, southern-based party, and Republicans were the more liberal, northern-based party. Pop quiz. Who's the conservative Southern-based Confederate flag waving Confederate general revering party now? The party's switched ideological sides. I know, I know, history is weird. P.S. I doubt that this Heckler is a Biden voter.
2: I came out here to give y'all a statement and say that this was a powerful moment. I was going to connect to it a a moment. I was going to connect it to the Memphis Massacre. It's a you know who else has been called a communist? They call Martin Luther King a communist. They call you a And and
7: I I just told y'all that my
6: ancestors did pop. I'm not making this up. I have slave records.
1: It looks like the idiots that stormed the Capitol. And I don't know who needs to hear this. Okay, Tuckums is who needs to hear this, but requiring people to wear a mask or show a little card that says you aren't gonna kill everyone around you by coughing on them. Isn't Jim Crow targeting the disproportionately Republican vaccine refusers and anti-maskers any more than no shirts, no shoes, no service is Jim Crow that targets naked people. I mean, shouldn't people who choose to be publicly naked receive service in your store? No! No, they shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to exclude naked people from rubbing their bare asses around your Walmart chain. That's just common sense. But you can't exclude people based on immutable characteristics like race or gender or sexual orientation. That's the difference. I can't believe I have to explain this to adults. Jim Crow laws, which just like the current anti-voting laws, were passed mainly in the South attempted to systematically exclude black people from social and civic life and carve out things like dining out and swimming at the beach or in a public pool or voting for whites only. Jim Crow laws back in the bad old days that Republicans show most Republicans think were the good old days didn't say that black people couldn't vote. The Constitution doesn't allow that. They just said that in order to vote, black people had to meet these very hard to meet criteria like guessing the number of bubbles in a bar of soap or passing a literacy test by reading a complicated passage or reciting part of the Constitution from memory. I mean, we will totally let you vote if you can do that. And can't anyone who ought to be voting do those things? I mean, we're not going to ask the white people to try, but come on, it's about preventing voter fraud. That's literally what they said back then, too. It was also done by closing the polling place at a time when sharecroppers couldn't possibly make it on time because of the long hours that they had to work. And like the current version, the old Jim Crow laws often caught up some white people who might vote the wrong, meaning liberal way, too, by design. In Georgia, their brand new Jim Crow voting law is already working as designed. Black voters who disproportionately lack state ID are already being disproportionately excluded. Jim Crow also involved periodically using brute force and violence to enforce the rules of racial hierarchy, including lynchings, like what happened to Ahmad Arbery, or using violent mobs to overturn elections that Black people won or participated in. Sound familiar, MAGA insurrection fans? Why do Republicans want so desperately to both suppress the history of American right-wing racism and malfeasance, and also to be the victims of historic and racial malfeasance? This victim status envy is getting really weird. Grow up and own it. You're getting called Jim Crow Republicans because you are Jim Crow Republicans. And you're also the absolute worst. And up next, more on the new phony victimization on the right. Don't go anywhere. Despite the fact that COVID restrictions are being eased across the country, many in the GOP are still waging a crusade against masks and vaccinations. And it's not just little Tucker Carlson. Appropriating the historic victimhood of American of African Americans, we recently saw QAnon Congresswoman Margie Green claim that mask requirements are akin to the persecution that Jewish people faced during the Holocaust.
6: You know, we can look back
1: in a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star, and they were definitely
3: treated like second class citizens. So much so that they were put in trains
1: and taken to gas chambers in Nazi Germany. Nope, 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 nope. That analogy was equally absurd and offensive when a lady who runs a hat shop in Tennessee started selling Star of David patches in some kind of bizarre protest against vaccination. And to be clear, trying to keep people from spreading a deadly disease is not Jim Crow. And it's not a pogrom like the Nazis unleashed on Jews. But because Republicans insisted on treating a matter of public health as a political issue, they'd prefer to stoke this fire rather than putting it out. And that's apparently why Josh Mandel, a Republican candidate for Senate in Ohio, felt the need to post this very awkward video of himself literally burning a mask last night when he probably paid for, meaning he burned his own money in flames. Sadly, that's what passed, That's what passes today as a Republican policy position in 2021. To me now is Kurt Bardella, L.A. Times contributor and Democratic Party strategist. And Kurt, I mean, I, I hate to keep taking you back to the nightmare days of Breitbart, but I need for you to explain to oh God. me. Why Republicans have VSE, victim status envy? Why do they want so badly to redirect historic wrongs, especially racially based wrongs, and make themselves the star of that show and the victim? Why do they want to be classed as victims? I mean,
3: it's 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 a mania uh, joy here. I mean, because, again, there's there's such a cognitive dissonance here on one hand. The right likes to pride themselves on, quote-unquote, owning the libs and calling everybody snowflakes. And on the other hand, they're claiming to be victims. They're delicate. They're weak. They're to be, you know, we're supposed to feel pity for them. How horrible that they're being infringed upon and, and attacked from the radical social stuff and all the things that they litter out there every single day. And the reality is, obviously, none of that is true. None of that is rooted in reality but it's the only thing that they can do. It's the only fallback that they have. They know that when the playing field is level, they can't win. They know that in a conversation about actual public policy, about the things that truly impact people's day-to-day lives, they can't win. They know that in a conversation rooted in fact, reality, truth, historical accuracy, context, They can't win. And so they trot this line of BS out there every single day across their propaganda networks and channels. And they hope, they're hoping beyond hope, that anybody who aligns with them won't have the intellectual curiosity or ability to do a simple Google search and fact check them on any of their nonsense. That's what they're hoping.
1: It's wild because, you know, right, they try to sort of play that they're the macho party, but there's the least macho thing in the world is self pity. And, you know, you're sitting here as somebody who has talked about anti-Asian violence and how it's impacted you. You know, I'm a black person, so hello, 1619 on. It's been rough. (laughs) But the whininess that you see, you don't see that from people of color. They're literally like, they won't let me not wear a mask in Walmart, and I just want to go in Costco and cough on you. You know, Do you get the sense that they—is it that they want to spread COVID? Is it that they feel it's their right to spread COVID? Is this like a— measles blankets thing from like the Puritans? What is this? Why do they seem to want to spread COVID?
3: I I go back to it. it, It's it's this mania, right? I mean, there has got to be a a mental health explanation (laughs) for the irrational desire to want to not wear a mask, go to super spreader events, get everybody infected, infect their loved ones, their parents, their grandparents, watch them all die, uh, and, and then the claim proudly that it is their right to do that, that it's somehow wrapped in this misguided sense of, of liberty and freedom. And again, so, those are the buzzwords, Joy. Liberty. Yeah, freedom. It's the right to die. It's right. basically a right to die Republicans but, yeah. have been Right. And Republicans have been using those words and the, the, the blanket of patriotism as an excuse for all the oppression that they have put forward against communities of color. Against working poor, against minorities and immigrants and the least vulnerable among us. And so th- this is the game that they continually play. And you're right. It is, it is so ironic. This, this wannabe macho party, this wannabe tough guy straw man act that they pull. These people are the most mentally fragile, weak, scared little children in a, in a corner hiding people that you will ever find. Because at the end of the day, when push comes to shove and they get caught and they get pulled before court, They're the ones crying to their lawyers now saying, oh, I had Fox psychosis. Oh, I was I can't believe this happened. They fold immediately like a house of cards when they get called on their B.S.
1: I got to ask you, but speaking of whiny, uh, probably the most whiny person I've seen in politics in my lifetime is Donald Trump, who just, yeah, you know, everything is whiny, whiny, whiny. Well, I got to let you comment on the end of his little blog. Uh, his blog only lasted 29 days, about the same tenure as Michael Flynn lasted as his uh, national security advisor, probably a little bit more. Um, on its last day, the site received just 1,500 shares or comments on Facebook and Twitter combined. <laughs> I'm just going to let you have the floor and talk about the, uh, the demise of the blog. <laughs>
3: I mean, it's not just a blog, right? It's a it's a major multimedia platform that's going to change the political conversation. It's going to lead a revolution, Joy. I mean, this thing, it, it, this is like four Scaramucci's it lasted. I, 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 this is a success, right? I mean, we live in a world where, where up is down and down is up. And so so Donald, he, he, He's Donald Trump's not a loser. He didn't fail. He had the most successful. It was so successful. Joy, he had to shut it down. The servers couldn't yeah. handle it. It was just too much couldn't traffic that they, they had to close it up for, for, for everybody's <laughs> own good.
1: <laughs> and lastly, uh, the Republican National Committee also on the same theme. So Rhonda Romney McDaniel, I don't know why she doesn't use Romney anymore. She's upset because they I guess they don't like in advance the way that the debates are going to work. I guess they want to pick whoever's going to be the moderators. And I guess they want them to be from OAN. What's going on here?
3: Listen, Joy, you and I both know that if you set up a a, a debate with two people and it's fair and equal, well, that's just unsportsmanlike. If you're Republican, we can't let that happen. Of course, they're going to try to shut that down. That's ridiculous. We can't possibly have two people actually have a conversation steered by policy and actual questions. I mean, they they are scared to death of going outside their little fox bunker into the real world with real questions Yeah, This is just par for the course.
1: And that's why they just want to rig elections instead. Kurt Bardella, thank you very much, my friend. And up next. Appreciate you. America is slowly recovering from the pandemic, but it's an uneven recovery with low income families suffering the most. What's being done to help them out is next. For weeks now, Republican governors across the country and only Republican governors have been racing one another to kick millions of Americans off of extended unemployment assistance under the American Rescue Plan, complaining that the aid is a deterrent to work.
3: Human nature kicks in. Uh, Do I want to get the same amount of money by going to work every day and working hard? Do I want to get that amount of money by sitting at home? And so we want to avoid
0: that inclination of human nature.
6: We can't continue to pay people to stay home.
0: Unemployment is a safety net and we need it. It should be there for the people when they hit a rough patch. But as I said many times, it should not be a career choice.
1: Hmm, uh, Maryland Republican Governor Larry Hogan joined the club yesterday, saying that he will end benefits there starting next month. Now, 25 states, all led by Republican governors, plan to end federal pandemic aid programs early. The pandemic laid bare a host of economic disparities in America. And now there's a new push in Congress to tackle a critical issue, poverty. A House resolution called the Third Reconstruction is aimed at addressing the needs of poor and low-income Americans, The resolution includes an update to the way poverty is measured and what a living wage should be. It also aims to create a federal jobs program that prioritizes low-income Americans. Joining me now are Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland and Bishop William Barber, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Thank you both for being here. Um, And and Congressman Raskin, I want to start with you first. Please explain uh, what it is that you all are trying to do. And do you think it's something that can actually pass uh, not so much the House, but the Senate, and become
0: law? Well, whether anything can pass the Senate is anybody's guess at this point. I think one of these bills, whether it's gun safety or H.R. 1 and voting rights or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act uh, or the third Reconstruction legislation, one of them is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And yeah. we will have to get through the filibuster. So um Look, you know, America is coming back because uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are leading us and making a real investment in the American people. But we've got to rectify some serious inequalities and injustices that have grown up during the Trump period and from before that. And the way forward for America has always been reconstruction. You know, I was thinking about revolution. The American Revolution kind of brought us back to where we were in terms of slavery and social relations. It did give us a great new constitution, but it's reconstruction that has been the American way forward, both after the Civil War, again in the 1930s, and again in the 1960s, where we really had the second reconstruction with the Civil Rights Movement. And it's time for a new reconstruction in America so we can uplift more than 100 million people who've basically been living in poverty for many years now.
1: Yeah, if only we could stop doing that redemption part that usually comes afterwards. Um, Bishop Barber, you know, there is a study in the New York that New York Times talked about that that it found that the stimulus checks, um, the checks that, you know, were the first thing that the Biden administration was able to get through. A new analysis of census uh, at the Census Bureau um, argues that the two latest rounds of aid significantly improved Americans' ability to buy food, to pay household bills. It reduced anxiety and depression, with the largest benefits going to the poorest households and those with children. That's actually unusual in American legislation. So, that happened. What do we need to do next, and make that to make that sustainable?
7: Yeah, well, and that's the key, sustainable, because we know it works. Because every time we do it, it works. So the bottom line what this resolution is saying is the Congresspersons are finally taking up the agenda of the movement, and the Poor People's Campaign agenda is we must have the resolve. There's not a scarcity of money or scarcity of. Ideas. The scarcity is in political consciousness and social will. So we need first things like that permanent. We need to change how we measure poverty. We need a living wage of at least 15 that will address the 32 million people who work for less than a living wage. We need an infrastructure that targets poor and low wealth community. We need health care for all. Uh, We need full and protected and expanded voting rights because all of these things are connected and we need them made permanent. We need to use the tax code to address poverty with earned income tax credit and child tax credit. But these have to be a part of a full reconstruction. You can't do a little piece here and a little piece there and wait another 20 years. we got one hundred and forty million people living in poverty and low wealth before COVID. Eight million more went into poverty after COVID. Billionaires made a two trillion dollars. Poor folk got sick the most, died the most, but have gotten the least out of the recovery. This is a wake-up call. And and you know, can it pass? No, without a movement, without us doing massive movement and having voting rights. That's why on June 7th, we're gonna be in 47 states in front of House members' offices. June 21st, we're launching a poor people a mass assembly of poor people, low-wage workers, and Joy Lashley, We are calling for 365 days of mobilizing toward June of 2022 for a mass Poor People's Assembly low wage workers moral march on Washington. We are not going back on this because we're talking about 43 percent of the American public and 30 percent of the American electorate that are poor and low wealth.
1: Hey, but, you know, you know, in Carson Raskin, you know, the Republican Party that people like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema said they want to work with, they won't even investigate the insurrection. They don't care that our government was attacked. I don't understand how you do anything with them still there. And I, I don't know what what are your comments as somebody who's been an impeachment manager who's dealt with this? They aren't going to move on voting rights. They just aren't.
0: Well, the the Republican Party is a minority party and it's a shrinking party and they understand that. And so their recipe for survival is voter suppression um, and disenfranchisement of as many people outside of the Republican Party as possible, which is why we see more than 360 bills across the country to end early voting, to end weekend voting in Georgia, to make it a felony crime punishable by a year in jail for passing somebody a bottle of water who's waiting to vote. Uh, that That is the Republican strategy. And, you know, Tocqueville said in, in Democracy in America, he noticed that in America, democracy is always either growing and expanding or it's shrinking and it's shriveling away. And now we've got one party, which is all about the strategic reduction of participation in voting. And I hope another party driven by this great movement that Reverend Barbara is leading to expand democracy and to make it work for the people. In a democracy, yeah. the government has got to be an instrument for the common good, the common man, and the common woman.
1: And very quickly, Bishop Barbara, what would you say if you could get Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin to listen to you about the filibuster?
7: Why would they stay stuck on a piece of uh, a a practice that's not constitutional, that has been against every civil rights piece of legislation used against women, has been used against labor? Why are they doing that? But more than that, I wouldn't just say that to them. i want to bring West Virginians to say it to them. Mm. I want to say to us, we can make them do this. The reason they're fighting is because they're losing. That's why Republicans are fighting. So voter suppression, we've got to make it. It's not just a black issue, nor is it just Jim Crow. It's actually James Crow Esquire. Because they want to shut down black people, disabled people, young people, women. Well, guess what? If they want to shut us down, then we must refuse to be shut down because we must have the power to send them home. So we need a movement, a resolution, but we need a movement that can vote and send people home.
1: And by the way, the reason people uh, may not be going back to work is they may not have child care. Maybe two dollars an hour at a restaurant is not enough money. Maybe you should give people decent wages. Maybe you want them to come back. But I want to make a quick t- detour with you two gentlemen, because we have a little something called the moment of joy. And our moment of joy this week involves one of the two of you. Uh, and it also involves Tulsa, where there's been so much pain, but also this moment of joy. Take a look.
7: Everybody, turn me around, I'm gonna keep on a-walkin', keep on a-talkin', up the freedom way, ain't gonna let no racism, turn me around, turn me around, turn
1: me around, turn me around. Turn me around. are amazing. Uh, thank you, uh, Congressman James—Jamey Ra- Raskin and Bishop William Barber, thank you both very much. That is tonight's readout.
5: Today's news requires more facts, more context, and more analysis. The world's never been harder to understand. That's why it's never been more important to try. MSNBC. Understand more.